Well, hello again, welcome back to the Jason and Peely Project. Super excited to be here with you today. Of course, we love you checking in with us. Love you giving us all this great feedback. If you like what you hear, go over, give us a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars, it just has to be, we wanna hear from you. We want you to dive in, tell us what we're doing, tell us what else we can bring you. And today we have Will Crozier on the show. Hey, Will, how you doing? Hey, Jason, great, how are you? Good, good. So excited to have Will on the show. He's actually in Texas, but living full-time in the Philippines. Came back, of course, with, with COVID, but he's got such a tremendous track record here, and we'd love to have him on the show. Since 2011, he's co-founded two multifamily investment firms in Texas with transacted over $350 million as a deal sponsor syndicator, totaling over 7,000 units, and on average, over 100% profit to the investment group with a typical whole time of two years. And if that wasn't enough, in 2010, he established a multifamily-specific materials import company that greatly reduced the cost and logistical headaches of renovating multifamily product projects. And he sold the company in 2018. He's also has a number of licenses, series seven, series 66, working as a broker. And to add that on top, he's got many passions in terms of international travel for business and adventure, obsessed with cars and music. And some of the awesome things he's doing, he's on the board of directors for the Rural Foundation and founder of Angel Capitalist, both which provide vital medical care to needy children as well as economic investments in the Philippines with more than 500 children treated to date. I mean, that's super cool, man. So excited to have you on the show. I'll jump in because, you know, a lot of people right now, small business owners or investors, they're listening to this and, and they hear a lot of things that you're doing to, you know, continue to give back. One thing you've done to, to find an additional layer to the multifamily area was to, produce or, or start the import company. What was the thought track there? Was that, that was pre doing the investments and, or, or was it second to the investments? And then from there you decided this was a good track to add on to. Yeah, it was sort of concurrent. I mean, we had issues actually sourcing the materials we needed to renovate fast enough. We started taking on bigger and bigger, bigger projects and the big box stores couldn't even keep up with our demand. It sounds weird, but they would start delivering the wrong, fan or the wrong, uh, the wrong light or the wrong, the wrong faucet and the prices would be all over the place and we're just like uh, just, just messing everything up we guys standing guys standing around with uh, hands in the pocket and you know wasting everyone's time and money so kind of took it into our own hands flew over to China started meeting the uh, the uh, factory owners and uh, just started pulling containers in and it sounds real easy but <laughs> I'll tell you it was a headache but once it got going it was definitely worth it that's awesome what were some of the the key lessons learned one from a business standpoint but two from a logistical standpoint bringing on an additional line to your multifamily investment firm well everyone talks about real estate sort of like a multiple streams of income thing uh jumping into this firm it was a multiple streams of expense like it was just money out money out everywhere it was just money out and it was it was it was a headache but uh once once we stabilized and um our, our investments stabilized and we started picking up a reputation for good products. You know, we were selling at a good price and it was exactly what other owners needed. It was what we needed. So it's what everyone needed. And yeah. It was on time and it was delivered for, you know, B and C projects and multifamily projects. And so it kind of just took off and uh, it was managing cash flow. I think was the number one thing. Uh, <laughs> it took 10 years off my life in those five years. So man, I, cash flow was huge. I, I know from working and uh, having a number of businesses and working with family business, that that's one of the parts as you grow, right? It's that, it's that cash flow because it's that, it's that beauty of you're growing, but you're trying to anticipate the growing going forward and you're trying not to cut your knees off, but, and you're trying to be optimistic, but optimistic. Sometimes you're not even as optimistic and, and as it gets bigger, you're trying to basically catch a rolling ball as it's rolling down a hill. You're trying to catch up with it. And 
as you look at analogy, yeah, as you're looking at an environment today, if you were to start over right now in 2020 with all you've done, you know, you came back 2011 where you had not not the similar search, uh, but it wasn't as optimistic as maybe six months ago, you know, in 2011. How, how are you looking at your investment opportunities today? I had a long call just just yesterday. Uh, the people who kind of came up just five years behind me or whatever. Um, if I was going to start all over again, it's a great time to start over. I mean, don't, don't necessarily jump in right now, not this second, but, you know, wait, watch the dust to settle. There's opportunities coming our way. There's a lot of sloppy handlers, uh, distant absentee owners. They're, they're going to fumble it. And there's going to be opportunities back in the market. And that's really cool. And I'm, I'm positioning myself to be able to, to back those people, to back those sponsors, to invest with them, to guarantee loans and things like that. So it's, it's a team sport and you know, everyone's getting ready for the next round. I think that that's the key word, team sport. And I, sometimes when people start out, they try and do everything themselves and they forget that the ability to grow, these are, these are really businesses that you're going in there and, and correcting them. And the, the more you put on an infrastructure, the more you can grow and you can do like you did grow to 350 million, 7,000 units in, in a quick fashion, have a good turnover. What you did here now to, to, was the objective from the beginning always to travel internationally? Was this the goal of, of doing multifamily and doing what you're doing is to find a, a different perspective on how you want to handle life? Or has this always been built into your life and you found businesses that fit your life? Yeah, it wasn't the goal for sure. I think my goal was uh, big houses, fancy life, big cars, you know, that, that was the goal. It really was. Yeah. Um, I was born really, really poor and that just always amazed me and seemed really cool. And I did that for a while. And then I got really bored of it and like two or three years is all it took. And I'm like, okay, glad I did it. Needed to probably do it just to satisfy that itch. And then kind of just sold everything and move forward with something else. And you moved over to the Philippines. Um, was family from there or what, 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 was, the, what was the choice to, to move to the Philippines? Uh, as quickly as I can, when I was in China, a lot on this import company, all the coolest people I met in China were all Filipinos. <laughs> so uh, they're so like come on over, come on over. And, you know, English was strong and there's a lot of cultural bond between Americans and Filipinos and it just fit really naturally. I love the people, the culture, the weather. It's, it's great. It's home now. Ah, oh, that's so cool. So cool. So are you still actively investing in multifamily? Why there here in the States or, or now are you pushing into your other passions or your focus on angel capitalist? Um, certainly pushing forward with angel capitalist. We can talk about that for a bit, but you know, it's always best to earn dollars especially when you got the team and the network, the yeah. infrastructure in place. So I'm still deal sponsor in a couple of larger deals here in Texas. Uh, I'm investing, as I'd mentioned, as kind of a key principal guarantor on a lot of other people's projects. So I'm a passive investor more and more as I can be, or just kind of a semi-passive, just try to help out where I can to, to, to get the deals done, to get better loan terms, uh, lend the balance sheet and these kinds of things to, to make it go around a little bit better. But, but more and more, my emphasis moves over to angel capitalists in the Philippines. I love it. And you talked about, you know, the, the big house, the, the cars and, and how that just got tired. And, and I think a lot of people have that same thing, right? They start out and they, you know, when you do, you, you have that approach that that's the first thing. And you realize that you're, your choice and your objectives were, were bigger than this. And does that lead to where angel capitalists really started from? It did. I can remember the exact moment when I was, uh, I was jogging in the morning near my big fancy house. <laughs> and I was just amazed by it. It was just beautiful. Everything about it was just like, you know, I did it. Uh, like I was so excited about it. And almost that second, my mind flipped over and started thinking about, okay, 
in my garage, I'm, I've got a Bentley. I got my old 69 Camaro. I just picked up my Ferrari and I was just like, I got to go buy another one. And it, it was just like that moment I caught myself and I'm like, is the next Ferrari going to be the thing that satisfies that itch? It was yeah. like, yeah, not, not even close, not even close. And that's, I, I started un, uh, unraveling it at that point, just, just putting it all behind me. And, uh, and uh, the amazing work that you can do with small amounts of money in so many parts of the world, or even here in the U.S. It's just amazing what a little bit done with care, you know, uh, micro um, humanitarian micro charities where it's at. And if you just know and you're with the people and you're talking to the people and day by day you're with these people, you can identify what the needs are and efficiently help them to become healthy, to advance their life, to feed their children, to grow a business. And I became addicted to that very, very quickly. Uh, how can I do more of that instead of buying that $100 bottle of wine at my steak dinner? You know, let's divert those funds to do something much, much better. You know, when people think about giving back, lots of times they think that that means they have to have a lot of money, right? They, they have to have this big fund set aside. So I, I'll do it, you know, in a couple of years when I start to have this nest egg and other points. And you talked about just finding these causes, even if they're micro causes. How did, what was the first thing that stood out to you in terms of identifying the causes that were really hugely impactful to you and you want to make a difference on? Uh, it was children's surgeries. And that's what I'm mostly addicted to because it's hard to find things that are pure, like a hundred percent pure that uh, someone's not going to monkey with. There's not some agenda. There's not some huge overhead or issue with what you're doing or it's political or something. I found that children who have done nothing wrong, they cannot help themselves. And then you do a life changing surgery that one day they go into the surgery and the next day they come out and their entire future has changed. I became addicted to that. And it was actually a, an, an eyesight cataract surgery. It was my very, very first one. I was just being a lazy tourist, a bum, like drinking, hanging out on the beach. And, and uh, I heard about this girl who, who needed about a $180 surgery so she could see, you know, and I just thrown that amount away on, on, on lunch and a couple of parties the night before. And I'm like, you know, I'm slow. Yeah. I'm very slow to figure this stuff out, but eventually I figure it out. And I'm like, that is what I want to do. And we did it. And now she sees. And, and then it started spiraling. I started building infrastructure and all the lessons I'd learned here in business in the United States about scaling, about growing, about trusted advisors, about handling money, about trust. I, don't, I spend a lot of my own money on this, but really it's key. I do a lot of crowdsourcing. I, I, I throw up a new case that we find. I throw it up on social media. I'm like, you know, who wants to get in on this with me? Because most people do. Most people are like, that's really cool. I want to do that too. And so it's really just cooperative and everything I've learned in business translates so well into what we're doing now over there. In terms of the scaling aspect of your business, what's been the, the best growth factor you've taken from your business and put it into this right here? I, I'm a syndicator, you know, I, I didn't have any money to do these big apartment projects. Uh, so, so it was about convincing a few people to trust in me. And then once you get the ball rolling and you have a track record, and you have trust built up and a reputation and a network, you lend that to much, much bigger projects. And that's what I'm, I'm working on now. I'm basically starting to syndicate larger and larger humanitarian projects in the Philippines. And it's the same people. It's literally the same people that I just made, you know, hundreds or millions of dollars for in the past few years. And they're, they're same trust in me, the same reputation. They, if anyone else wants to participate, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I, I trust him with him. He's over there. He's spending his own money to make this stuff happen. So let's jump in there. So it's, it's all teams. It's in its reputation and it's building those relationships of trust. 
Yeah, and you're right, right? So, and I think it, that goes back to a lot of people's perception even on buying multifamilies that you have to have this large bankroll ahead of you, but it's really just making sure that what you say is what you do, having the right terminology when you talk to people that you can make sure that they understand that you're going to go out there and times are not going to be easy. There, there, things are going to happen, but you're going to put in the work and make sure that you're there every step of the way to make it happen. And the cool thing about this is you talk about the cataract surgery. It's something apartment buildings may take a while to turn around, right? It's, it's, it's not like a flip where you can be in and out in a month. You may have two years, three years to see the, see the after effect, but the surgery, you can, you can see how that changes so quickly, right? So you get that, that immediate point. What, when you had that first one happen, what was, what was the, the internal response? What, what was your first thought or your emotion from it? I was addicted. I mean, there's nothing else to say, but that, and, you know, when you're doing this kind of business, it's nice to have that external affirmation from everyone. Oh, Will, you're a good guy. You're doing all this good stuff and, and on and on. And it feels good to hear that. I like that. But actually, it's for me. It's my own selfish reasons. Like, it, it makes me happier, more excited than anything else that I'm doing. So I'm doing it for myself. So it's not as selfless and altruistic as it sounds. It's just, it's the coolest thing that I can do in my life. So that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, I love that. And just the effect of a person, right? Just imagine, I'm just thinking in my mind, like it, you, you, you vision, the vision, right? Just being able to see something, it gives you such a whole different perspective, right? Just like they say, a picture can, can create a thousand words. And so for someone to go from not seeing to having that first sight, you just imagine the visceral, just all the things that must come to mind when someone has that effect. And that's just cool that you could, and it's, it's daunting, right? Cause we think of everything on, on mass capacity. Like maybe that surgery here would be like $10,000, but somewhere else it's a hundred, $180 and you're able to go and just change someone's future. And I, I love that. What, what is the, the, the next steps? What's the future with angel capitalist? So I haven't even released this yet. You know, you're the first one. but I'm I'm really working uh, to put out a game plan that everyone can watch everyone can see that soon I'm going to move from I'm asking for a hundred bucks I'm I'm asking you to match my five hundred or a thousand dollars for this next surgical outreach I'm gonna start hunting whales similar to what we did in uh, in, in multifamily investing. And by that, we're not going to go get a harpoon in, in a big boat. I'm going to talk, I'm, I'm talking more to build the relationship and the bridges with people who, who have huge amounts of money and don't know where to put it. Cause that's actually what we always face in the apartment world with investors. They have a lot of money. They want to deploy it all. They need to get it invested. They just don't know who they can trust. They don't know the right market cycles or whatever. I want to be one of the people that they trust that I've, that I've publicly aired what we're doing publicly shown that track record, the portfolio, the resume of what we've done for humans and how tiny, tiny bits of money can help so much. And I want to do that on a much larger scale form. I, I would like to say, hey, give me your million. Who, who do you have? Where's your auntie? Is she, is she unwinding her life and wants to put her money to, to good care now in good hands? Fly over, meet with me, meet with my team. Let's really start scaling this up because there's so many more people we can help. There's, there's, there's never going to be enough. And I'm just going to try to do my best with that. If there's a person listening that doesn't have the track record, right? Hasn't done the projects, hasn't, hasn't had the, the, the impact, uh, but they, they love this and they want to get involved. They're just not sure how to get started. What, what are some suggestions for someone to, to build character, build trust as they continue to grow in what they want to do? You know, I think a lot of us hate social media because of all of the woes that it brings to us, but mm-hmm just sort of putting your profiles on public and being transparent about your failures, showing all the terrible days that you have, 
just showing when there's a success, really enjoy it with everybody. It just, yeah. I've had to be a lot more transparent. It's caused me a lot of problems, I'll tell you. It's caused a lot of stressful days and nights and just attacks and weird threats and stuff. But the goal is worth it, whether you're building that business or trying to do something great on like the humanitarian or charity side, you will have that trust. And no matter what I throw on social media, it always gets funded now. And it's, it's people give me 20 bucks, you know, like here's 20, but it gets funded because we've built that. And, and I think that that's been, been key is being transparent. And also uh, just like you said, do what you say you're going to do, set the plan and do it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's funny because social media, you do, you have to get out there and talk about what you want to do. It just, it, the, the idea of having a resume, right. And showing people your resumes is long gone and the future of it's going to be that someone's just going to Google you and just see what you're doing. Cause that's an easier fix. And we always look for the easy, right. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that, that use that to, to attack people just because maybe they're dealing with their own, whatever, right behind, behind the curtain where it just, it's, it's so easy to type something. But if I, you know, if I was sitting there face to face with you, I, I would never say that. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you know, like right there in front of you, but in that fact, it's so easy. And if you just say, Hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. You get back to them. It, it's crazy, but uh, it, it's the world that we've all grown into is going to continue to be that way. And, and what's cool is that you can create and track what you're doing for your legacy. You know, you can go and show, you know, other family, other, other friends, you know, 30 years from now, you know, this is what we were doing at this point and this is how we're using this impact. And it, it like, it creates our own, like, I, I, I will say like history books, right. In a weird way. It's like, it's becoming like the new history book, like using social media really at this point. And so it's almost, it's almost like, it's almost hurting you if you don't put your stuff up because it gives the rest of your family for generations the ability to see where it was because the pictures we don't take we don't like relish those pictures are all on the phone and then like, people's phones get erased you don't have those pictures where like you find them in the attic anymore and say hey here's you know my grandma from like, like <laughs> 60 years ago here's this picture and it just it's amazing how it continues to transform and how those steps go forward as you as you look into your next steps and you've gone over to the philippines um talk to us about what you're doing as a DJ. It's just, just something that you just love doing. And you've always had a passion for. Yeah. I've been in rock bands since I was 13 or whatever. And then rock kind of died. I don't know, 10 years. I don't know where it is. It's hiding somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a rock. I'm a drummer and a guitarist, but you know, I want, I love music. I wanted to participate. And before when I was in business, I always felt guilty. I always felt guilty to like take an hour and like strum on my guitar or whatever. And now it's also that I have that twinge of guilt sometimes where I'll be like trying to remix something and I just like invest three hours in it. It's like, wow, it's just the best use of my time. But at the end of the day, we're here to be happy. We're here to pursue our interests and our talents. And it's something I'm passionate about. So I, I try to do it all. I try to do it both or everything. Going forward, how do you identify the best use of your time? I think we all feel that we're, we're overwhelmed with these, these tasks and, maybe have a hard time identifying what's important for me to do right now. Yeah, I, I have, I guess, two answers to that sort of the, the logical side of me. I was just listening to Elon Musk on a podcast the other day and uh, he, he, he wanted to build his own house. He wanted to like design it. And he says he's an OCD guy. I think that's pretty obvious. And he was going to like map out every detail of it. And he's like, I could spend a few years doing that or I could get our asses to Mars, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, I should probably focus on going to Mars, right? So, um, you know, me, I guess it's sort of the same thing. I, I, I need to put a lot of priority on on helping people's lives, changing changing their life, their future, giving them an opportunity of health, of well-being, of an economic opportunity to feed their family. But on the flip side of that, I think that we can work ourselves to death into the dirt and never take a moment to enjoy our life. And I think we're here to be happy. I think that's the number one thing. So 
if you put a priority on being happy yourself personally, I think that good things will fall into place where you're actually happy just, just helping people or growing your business or being an advocate for, for better change. Um, so I would say, how do you allocate your time doing those things that make you happy is probably the other answer I would give. Yeah. I love that. Heard the same podcast on Joe Rogan and it was, it, it, it struck me too. It was the same thing. It was like, yeah, I was going to buy, you know, build this like uh, Ironman house or Ironman house or I get us to Mars. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of think the Mars thing might be more important to uh, sign exactly. on these projects, you know, but it, that's, that's funny. Exactly. And it gives it, and even on the highest scale, it still makes sense for your life. Right. And, and what you can do on, on your level, wherever you are in your life that you can just put those in place. And so, well, yeah. well I, I've absolutely enjoyed this. This has been awesome. Super appreciate what you're doing. I'm going to definitely continue to follow up and see what you're doing more and just be involved. And for others, uh, angelcapitalist.com, where else is the best way for them to connect with you? you know, I'm very much active on Facebook. So the Will Crozier, uh, Angel Capitalist has got a page there, angelcapitalist.com. CapEx Ventures is my other business that's more multifamily centric. So you can reach me there too. But uh, any one of those will get to me. Uh, happy to talk to anyone who's interested in the same things yeah business it. real estate growth love it well thank you so much i really appreciate your time this has been great thank you awesome. everyone listen super appreciate you guys talk to you shortly join us for your second cup of coffee every monday through friday at noon live every day bringing us our best content we've done so far super excited super engaging bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.